Spirit of the Thank you, Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. It seems like it happens in baby steps. I wasn't raised in a church like this. We were raised Catholic. My dad was congregational. He had to become Catholic to marry my mom. The priest wouldn't marry him unless he became Catholic. So after fighting his way through the Korean War, a sergeant in the Marines, he had to go to catechism. So all of this is new for me. And when I was 14, 15, there were seven of us kids and big Catholic family come into a church like this. But I can tell you how it happens. What happens is it happens in stages. When you, when you come into a, a free church, we're going to call this a free church. And what happens is you find freedom. All, all of a sudden, you just kind of relax and let your guard down. You realize no one's looking at you. Have you ever had a friend like that? Like, I don't want to go to church. Everyone will be, you know, looking at me. And, and that's just, you know, a thought. How many knows that's not true? You're not that important. <laughs> now, if Trump came in, everyone would be looking at him. He can say that. But what happens is, I think it happens with freedom comes first. And then when after freedom comes, it gives birth to hope. And then when hope comes, it gives birth to a miracle. And those are the stages that I felt here happening today. Some of you are in, in your first step. Some of you are in your second step. You're like, miracle. Well, where's my miracle? Get your freedom. Find your freedom. Find your place. Find your groove. Let it go. Let your hair down. Relax. Cry if you need to cry. Laugh if you need to laugh. Come to the front, let people pray with you, open up, open up your mind to all the possibilities and watch what God does in your life. Thank you. I know we, this is a time service, so I'm watching the clock. It's 1018. I'm going to finish at 1045. Holy cow. I don't have a lot of time, but that's okay. We're used to that. First of all, I'd like to thank your lead pastors, Pastor Emily and Landon for having us. And having this great church, we see a lot of our friends that we know at Bridge Church. And if you're new here, then you're going to be one of our new friends. And we thank you. It's good to see Doug Sweet here. It's good to see Doug Sweet. He left, I guess. That's what most people do when I get out to preach. I got to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. Um, and it's good to see more and more of our Lake Havasu people up here on loan from God, Tila and Allie and all that. So it's great, wonderful to be here. And we're going to watch the time on this service. We'll have a little bit more time next service. But um, I'm going to speak today on life stifling emotion. Life stifling emotion called fear. Everyone say fear. You'd be surprised. I have a degree in theology and we also have a, I have a degree from Texas A&M. I wanted both. I thought it would help me be more well-rounded when I speak. And I was surprised because I didn't know this, that fear, the subject of fear is addressed more than even the subject of holy or the subject of love. Um, over 500 times the Bible addresses fear. So we're talking about a very powerful emotion that could be a slow burn in your life and no one sees it, what you're really afraid of. 
And we all have our buttons. We all have our fears. Whether it's your mortality, am I going to live to be 80? Am I going to live long enough to have children? Where is my wife? All those, all those fears that come in, I want to address those today and silence some of those in your mind. They say a picture is worth a thousand words, and I love to teach with pictures. I'm going to put a picture on the screen. My father was born in a sea captain's house, and if Landon's ever told stories of it, um, our great-great-grandfather was a sea captain in the 1860s. I have a history book in my office, and he's in it. Um, and talking about his latest ship, the, um, the um, Champlain, and uh, how it was a fast clipper ship. This ship, it would, would be a great exercise or a fun thing to do as a family. You sit around your table tonight. Let's tell a story about this ship. It's a large ship. It's in a storm. There's big waves. And when I see this picture, it reminds me of a lot of things. What comes to my mind is this. Being from New England and being from Maine, that ship was not built for safe harbors. That ship was built for open waters. And there's a storm that will come, but it's okay. The waves will get big, but it's okay. The winds are going to blow, but it's going to be okay because it's built for that kind of weather. So... This is you. This is you right here. This is your life. This is us. This is America. It's telling us a story. What's the point? The point is, as long as what's on the outside doesn't get on the inside, everything is going to be fine. That's the message. That's the spirit that we need to capture today. Because America may be in a storm, there's a pandemic going on, there's racial tensions going on, things are not well with you, you may be sick. We've got people in our church, it's amazing how many people have cancer or loved ones have severe illnesses. Now we know them all. We didn't even realize it until this happened. And this may be you. And, and the key is there's fear out there, there's worry out there, there's trouble out there. As long as what's on the outside doesn't get on the inside, you are going to be okay. You will make it. You will make it. So let's, let's get into God's word. Let's get some soul food today. The spirit, Romans 12 and 15, the spirit that you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption. Everyone say adoption. adoption. Do you guys play the whole service? Or are you just being, is this a courtesy? Just until you're done reading the scripture. Okay, ready? <laughs> I have seven more words. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. There you go. <laughs> I don't want him... I don't want them to work for me. You're doing fine. I love the background music, but I want you to be able to hear the message too. So notice it says, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the adoption to sonship or daughtership. Don't be offended by that. Just plug that in uh, with permission. And so the spirit that we receive does not make us slaves again to fear. The goal today is to help silence the voices of fear and to get a new picture in your mind. What would your life be like if you didn't have any fear? What would my life be like? I need a fresh 
picture in my mind. What, how courageous would we be? I was standing in line at the grocery store, and this is when it all came to me, and a veteran, probably my father's age, was, he tapped me on the shoulder. You know, these older people have quite a sense of humor and sarcasm. So we're in line, and we're being careful, we're masked up. I got my blue gloves on and my blue mask. I look like I belong to a blue man group. I'm just trying to be extra careful, and, and this guy tapped me on my back, and I turned around, and this veteran, about 80-something years old, he goes, remember 30 days ago when everyone was courageous? And, I, and it caught me off guard. I'm like, and he was, he didn't have no mask on, no gloves. He's like, I've been through Korean War, been through this, been through that. You know, what's everyone so worried about? He's the one who should be worried. He's 80-something years old. But it, it, it made me think for a minute. It didn't take much, did it? It didn't take much. And that's the sad part. It's, and, and what I'm talking about is this. The spirit of fear ends up being worse than what you're really afraid of. The, the disease is bad. Financial things can be bad. But what's even worse, if a spirit of fear gets on you, it ends up being worse than the thing that you're afraid of. It, fear is antithetical to God's plan. It's the antithesis to the Holy Spirit. Ask yourself, what am I really afraid of? Look in the mirror and ask yourself that question. Just do a survey. Am I afraid? And like me, am I afraid of dying of a heart attack? Am I afraid of, you know, this happening? I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 60 in February. And so things, things get in my mind that were never there before. Now I'm thinking of them. Am I going to be fortunate to live to 88 years of age? I'm going to my father's 88th birthday party uh, on, on Friday. And, and um and he has no medication, doesn't take any pills, no medication. Him and mom are healthy as a horse. He just cut down an 80-foot tree by himself and chopped it up and loaded it up in the back of his truck and delivered it to the Amish people down the road. I said, let Jedaziah and Jeremiah come get it themselves. Why are you doing He goes, then what would I do? I said, when you're 80, you get to watch them work. But he's a different character. I hope he gets to come visit your church sometime. Look in the mirror and ask yourself this question. Is there anything too big for God? That is in the Bible. If you don't know the Bible, it's in the Bible. It's a question God asks his people. Ask me, is there anything too big for me? And when you start accepting that, perfect love casts out fear. It's hard to love somebody that you fear. So maybe you should start with your love for God. Your fear for God needs to turn into your love for God. And here is a verse, 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love. But perfect love dries out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears cannot be made perfect in love. Fear constricts the flow of the Holy Spirit. Fear paralyzes to where you're, you, you're, you're confused, and when, you, when fear gets a hold of us, we end up doing nothing. Right. We're afraid of doing something. We're afraid of not doing this or doing that, so we end up doing nothing at all. Fear can paralyze, and so instead of being happy and free and free-loving, we withdraw, and the verbiage becomes we're just playing it safe. But really, fear has visited us and caused us. And then it spills over. You can't compartmentalize your life. Everything is connected. It spills over into your salvation. And then you start wondering, have I done anything to jeopardize my salvation? 
I'm, now I'm fearful of everything because I started to be afraid of that, and now I'm afraid of everything. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That doesn't mean storms won't come. It doesn't mean the seas won't get rough. Scary stuff is still going to happen to you. There is a toxic and has been, luckily it's not as prevalent as it was probably in the 80s, but there was a heavy dose of word of faith people that actually preached from their pulpits and it jacked up and hurt a lot of people. And I think the, the toxic side of word of faith was damaging because they actually said things, if you have faith, you won't get sick, you can walk in divine health. They were saying things like, if you really had faith, your child would not have died of cancer. They say things like, it was an extreme uh, thing, like, in other words, God is, has given these promises, and so uh, you're never going to get sick, and you should never be poor, and all of these things. Well, I remember going to seminary, and we were very poor, but I was very spiritual, we went to chapel and vespers and wore a tie for three years. And I, I couldn't have been more spiritual. We lived like monks. In fact, we actually lived on an old monk's uh, uh, monastery. At, we're at St. Louis. But, but there's, there, there was this message that if, if you really have faith, you'll never have fear. You'll never, your marriage will never, you'll never get a divorce. Listen, life happens to people. What do two 18-year-old kids know anything about marriage? We need to bring the mercy back into the church that life happens to Christians just like it happens to everyone else. And this was one of the most painful ones, and you, you probably saw some of the results of this. Raise up a child in the way he will go, and when he is old, he'll never depart from it. Well, yeah, in general. It's not God's guarantee if you bring your kid to church every Sunday in Sunday school, that they'll grow a straight line. They'll, they'll end up being a missionary and they'll have 20 churches under their belt by the time they're 30 years of old. No, it just means if you don't raise him to be a crook, he won't rob banks. You know, in general, if you do the right thing, they, they'll probably turn out the right way. Because you have to take that scripture, theologians, that's why we need our theologians, you need the philosophers, we need the poets to give us balance. You have to balance it with all the other scriptures, like what? Free will. God's not going to take your 18-year-old and just wind them up like a robot. My parents raised me this way, I don't know anything else, I just got to go to church. That's all I know. He's not going to violate their free will. And so that message, that toxic message of, of, it was actually, they call it word, hyper word of faith, but there's a lot of fear in there. It was a fear of ever failing, that God can't pick you up. There's life after divorce. There's life after sickness. There's life after death. There's life after bankruptcy. There's life after a pandemic. There's life, it's okay. And, and fear is the, it, it's, it's like, it's, its essence is rehearsing failure. If you fear that you're going to be rejected, you'll end up feeling rejected. If you fear failing, you're probably going to fail. If you feel like um, somebody's not going to like you, you're going to walk into a party and someone says, your mother dresses you funny and you're ugly. 
Jesus' words were this. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough problems of its own. Don't lose another Sunday worrying about Monday. Monday may never come. And if it doesn't, it's all right for us. When you think of worry and you think of fear, just think of two sides of the same coin. Because really, all my fear starts out as a worry. All my fear. When I look back over the 59 and a half years of my life, so, so worry and fear, just think of two sides of the same coin. So here are some, here are some of the new fears. Xenophobia. How I many knows what xenophobia is? Aren't you glad you came to church? I thought I was in a university town. What's going on? Where's the college? Xenophobia, fear of other people. That's what this pandemic has done. Oh, no, they're from California. Run for your life. They're ruining Arizona. I don't know if you have that around here. Our mayor, our mayor threw the California people right under the bus with this latest thing that we had to wear masks to church. Because of the influx of visitors, we all have to wear masks to restaurant. He just threw that. I was like, I got up in church and just said, we love you, California. We love, we love your money. You're buying our cars. You're buying our homes. Keep coming. We love California. Arizona's doing good. Um, agoraphobia. Here's a real one. Fear of going outside. Big spaces, danger, danger, big events. And there are people that won't leave the house and it's going to happen to them because they're going to catch that during this pandemic and it's going to become a habit. Uh, germophobia. We all know what that is. The spirit of fear usually ends up worse than what's actually happened to you. And so what happens when you get a spirit of fear and you're saying, where is God? I thought God was going to protect us. I thought we never were going to be sick. I thought we were never going to have a pandemic. We are Christians. Why are we suffering? Two things happen. You get angry at God because you lost your health and you blame themselves. There was actually the evangelist that was traveling when we were new to Pastor Mike's church. They were out of a church in Oklahoma and they were part of that overboard and they had a little girl that died of cancer. And I remember their words that somebody told them, if you just had more faith, she would have lived. It's lucky they're even saved, let alone in the ministry. They're doing good in California, uh, pastoring in California now. But, but can you imagine telling some? And then can you imagine believing that if I would have just been more spiritual? Let me tell you something. These bodies, when you get them, the first day that you're born, they're born broken. They're born with stuff in there that's going to break. It's like buying a used car. You may look perfect, but you are not perfect. These bodies are going to fail you when you need them the most. You can be the most spiritual person in the world, and your hip may go out. Your elbow may act up. Your heart may stop. Things are going to happen. Never connect your physical health to your spiritual health. Never connect the two. Always thank God for your health, but never say, boy, you know, if they were more dedicated, they wouldn't be so sick. No, don't connect the two. These bodies will fail you. They're not made to live forever. And you may get a bad one. The point is ignorance kills Taking a scripture like that and actually preaching fear 
and sowing fear. If you just had more faith. And now, now, I, now, my, now all my uh, uh, prayers have to be psychological certainty. That's not what prayer is. We pray because nothing is guaranteed. Nothing is guaranteed. So we need to move on. I'm getting the uh, wave of the time here. So how can we as Christians live fearless lives? Here's three, three quick points. The first one is, I do not know. <laughs> By now, you should have been so stressed out, you should have quit your family, quit your job, quit your church, been mad at the government, quit your political party. You should be marching down the street. You should be talking sideways out of your mouth of all the things that you've gone through in your life. But here you are. There is a peace that you have that passes all understanding. That's why I say I don't know how we do it. In fact, I like to talk to my friends that are atheists, my dear friends, and I ask them this question. How do you do it? How do you get out of bed in the morning with no hope? If you die, you'll never see your friends again. You'll never see your family again. You'll never live an eternal life. How do you get out of bed in the morning? We as Christians, how do we live fearless lives? It's because we have a transcendent spirit, which means supernatural, that helps us in our natural, and it's living proof. You are living proof that it is God who is suspending you and holding you and pushing you and elevating you and moving your life forward. You are living proof. Number two. Eternity, we live with eternity on our minds. The scripture I read to you is that we have the spirit of adoption. We no longer have the attitude or we no longer talk this way. Oh, I just don't know where I belong. That is the old self talking. You're God's child. This is God's house. This is God's family. He is our father. We are your family. You have a place to belong. Start talking differently. We live with a new reality. Your story is not a short story of 75 years and you die wrinkled up in some nursing home. This is just the first chapter of a very long story. These bodies will fade away, but your spirit is going to live forever. So many people freak out. You know why they freak out? They think this, this is all there is. I gotta hurry up and get married. I gotta hurry up and have some kids. I gotta hurry up and buy the biggest house I can get. And I gotta hurry up and do all my check all my boxes on my bucket list before I kick the bucket. I gotta get the biggest boat. I gotta get the best house. I gotta make the most money. I've gotta get the most degrees. I gotta hurry, hurry, hurry. You know why they're freaking out and they live in a state of anxiety? They think this is all there is. We do not live that way. I'm trying to. I just don't have enough time. And this is one of my sticky statements. I love to give sticky statements, and, and, and this is it. You need to know this. Not all of your dreams will be fulfilled in this life. Our dreams are usually for better and more and improved and security. How, how many of you like to play games, board games, basketball games, hockey games, all that? Let me ask you a question. Would you play the game differently if you knew, you knew that you were going to win in the end? If you knew, 
that it was either rigged <laughs> or somebody was going to pull a string that you didn't know. Would you live? Would you play that game differently? The answer is yes. I've played sports, played football, basketball, soccer, all that. Oh, heck yeah, I'd play a lot different. I'd be like, go ahead and run down the court. I'll be down there in a minute. Right? So what's the point? The point is this. I've read the back of the book. The church is in heaven. As long as you don't quit, you win. Now, you know that. Are you going to live your life differently than you've been living? With a confidence and a peace. What am I freaking out about? Everything's going to be fine. We win in the end. The church is there. As long as, listen, I'm not standing here today. I came into a church like this at age 14, like I told you at the beginning. Got baptized, received the Holy Spirit. I'm not here because I'm so spiritual. I just made up my mind. If I don't quit, I can't lose. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. Point number three, we live with what is true. We live with what is true, not what might happen. And what happens to people is this. I think I put it on the screen. In our environment from D.C. to California, this is what's happening. We tend to take remote possibilities and make them to inevitable probabilities. You can't live your life that way. Yes, I could get into a car today and I'm going to and drive to the airport. I could die in a car wreck. There is a probability, but it most likely won't happen, right? The next plane that I get on may be the last plane that I get on. I mean, it could happen, right? You have to say, yeah, it could. Is it going to happen? I have an app. You're going to love it. I'm serious. I got this app. You're going to love this app. It's the orange-shaped little funny thing. And guess what it says? Am I going down? So, because I have a little bit of fear of flying. It's not my favorite way to travel. So when I get on the plane, this is, this is really going to help your fear of flying. When, when you get on the plane, you, and they seatbelt you in and they shut the door, you type in what uh, the tail number is, what city you're leaving from, what the weather's like, how old does the pilot look when he walks in? All these little things. And it gives you the probability, the odds, if you're going to make it or crash on that flight. I've done it. The last time I flew, it was six million to one. Which means, which means there is a possibility that if I took that, and this is how it's translated, if I took that flight every day for the rest of my life, I would have to fly that flight 6,783 times, and then it would crash. So we can live the rest of our life on what might happen, or we can live in reality of where we are now. A lot of things, and an axe murderer may climb into my window tonight and chop me to pieces. You laugh, but you still lock your door. <laughs> Let's stand together. I love the little levity in our messages. We, we, we need to laugh more. We love you all. You, come back to second service. You can hear the whole thing. <laughs> it's been what an awesome. Can we just give it up for the word and Pastor Joe? Thank you.
Um, uh, before we get into closing, I, I want to pray. And I want to pray with everybody online, our prisons who are streaming online that heard this word. And I, I want to talk to everybody who's a guest who's tuning in for this word. And I want to talk to everybody right here. And I want you to bow your head and close your eyes with me. And I want to pray with you. I want to pray that the spirit of fear is lifted and that the spirit of peace is endowed upon us. And Lord, we thank you. God, Lord, that the spirit of fear cannot remain where your spirit resides. And Lord, we don't need to worry about even dealing with fear as much as we need to be concerned about receiving your spirit. And I thank you, Lord. We invite, just invite the Holy Spirit right now into your home. I want you to stand. Even my wife is streaming at home. I want you to stand and I want you to say, we invite the Holy Spirit right now into our home, into our car, into our business, into my heart, into my life because he works in all and through all and does all. And so, Lord, I thank you that the Holy Spirit is in this place. And where your spirit is, there is the fullness of joy. There is peace. There is love. There is healing. There is victory. There is comfort because that's what the Holy Spirit is, the comforter of our life. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you want to give your life to Jesus today, if you're in this house or online, if you're in a prison cell or on a jog, I want you to raise your hand right now. I want you to comment if you're streaming online and I want you to say, I choose Jesus today. I choose Jesus today. And I want everybody with who's got your hand raised and your heart open and you're commenting on the feed today. I want you to everybody under the sound of my voice to repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I receive you now as my Lord as my Savior, as my Heavenly Father. I'm forever yours, and I am saved. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Let's give God some praise. Awesome. Let's get excited. The Bible says when one gives their heart to God, all of heaven rejoices. And we've got hundreds of reasons to rejoice today, thousands of reasons, because our goal that I mentioned earlier of reaching 4,000 salvations was a citywide, churchwide goal, not just Bridge Church. So if Bridge Church can reach 1,000 by the end of the year, the body of Christ can reach 4,000 by the end of the year, and we can start seeing the tipping point in our city, state, and nation. And I'm excited for that. And it's so good to see each and every one of you. Uh, what an incredible Sunday, incredible message, incredible worship. I'm so thankful to be together. Just remember, take hope. We got a great, bright future. This testing is only a revealing. And God's saying, let me get, right, let me get you so strong that you feel you could take on anything. And aren't we feeling, when we get through all this, aren't we going to feel that way? Like, dude, if we survived all that garbage, what throw anything we got this and the body of christ is going to do great parents families marriages the enemy what the what the enemy meant for evil god's going to turn for good so let's put up that bridge declaration what an awesome sunday so thankful for my amazing parents who are here and wonderful doug our a leader here good to have them and 
I forgot to mention, if you're new and you're streaming online, make sure you message us so we can send you a gift. If you're here and you're new, make sure you see our information desk. We want to thank you for being here at Bridge Church. Let's speak this bridge declaration together. I am a bridge builder. This is my season of favor. I am blessed to live my best. I will choose to love him first. I will worship fully, love deeply, and my community will thrive because I am praying for it. I am a carrier of peace. I will represent God's gentleness to myself and others. I will live out his gospel. I am blessed to live my best because I am a bridge builder. Amen. God bless you, Bridge. We are so glad you joined us today. If this message spoke to you and you made a spiritual decision, we would love to connect with you. You can do that by sending us an email to info at wearebridge.church and let us know the steps you took. And also, if you're new to our Bridge online church family, we have a gift for you. So if you could email us to info at wearebridge.church, We'd love to get your information so we can send you that gift. We're so thankful that you worship with us today. And remember to stay connected because we're so much better together. We'll see you later, Bridge Church.